Should I do the introduction? Yeah. Go for okay. it. We're marvelous. What are we calling it? Marvelous lunchtime. Marvelous lunchtime. A marvelous lunch. I think a marvelous lunch break because it's like you can break. listen to it on your lunch break. Yeah. Take a break. Marvelous break. lunch break. We're like the we're like the Kit Kat of podcasts. Hello and welcome to the first, maybe the last, m- marvellous lunch break. Is that what we decided to call it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I hope you're all having your lunch. I'm the Kit Kat chunky of a host, Dan Preston, um, and with me I've got my two colleagues, now also podcast colleagues, yeah. even though I don't think we're going to make any money out of this. No. Um, first up is Anna. Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, well, obviously, I'm a bit of a podcast virgin. Don't know the important aspects like the fact that no one can see me. Um, so I'm coming with to this podcast with a very good Marvel Universe movie knowledge. Less so with the comics. I've always been a comic book fan, but it was more sort of the out there ones. Sandman, ElfQuest, um, Concrete. That's a great one. Um so once I started seeing the Marvel Universe movies, I got really excited about them, really delved into it. So I came late, but now I know my stuff. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What's Concrete? Uh, it's a Dark Horse comic. It's nice. really good. Um, and also... Martin, hello. Martin Carter. Yes. Hello. That's me. Um, so I am probably the least knowledgeable about the MCU. Um, no, not MCU, about, about Marvel and its history, I think. I came to the MCU quite late. Um, there's some films in this uh, retrospective that I still have yet to see. Um, and I have a lot of questions about it. I also have quite a bad memory. So usually when I'm watching a Marvel <laughs> film, I always have Wikipedia open to be like, who's that? Where's that context? Are you the person who, half an hour into movie, is like, what's going on? Yes, or, which is a terrible admission to make in the first podcast, fall asleep <gasps> no uh, spoiler alert i did fall asleep during ant-man and i have yet to see it all the way through oh no so oh, i've got a confession as well i actually watched iron man over two days two days i watched so not the first time like ever not the first time ever yes. no this time I reviewed when it, you yeah. were like you, you need to go back and watch it i started watching it pretty late at night and then decided i was quite tired i picked it up again in the morning so, so is this podcast essentially us getting incredibly old and not being able to stay awake past 10pm? I mean, when Iron Man first came, so Iron Man came out in 2008. Yeah. Let me just explain what, what, what the podcast purpose actually <laughs> yeah. is first. You completely. Haven't, you haven't even completely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dan Preston. I read comic books growing up. I don't care about consistency of comic books and movies. I just want to watch a good flick that's got some explosions and my favourite superheroes in. And I feel like I've been able to do that for the past 10 years since Iron Man came out, um, leading up to um, Avengers Infinity War, which comes out later on this year. And the reason we're doing this podcast is that on the countdown to Infinity Wars, we're going to watch one Marvel movie each week, completely spoiler including talking about them. If you haven't seen films that came out in 2008 by now, it's their own fault. I agree. But we've already said spoilers, so... Oh, yeah. yeah, so I mean... Free advertising for them. 
Yeah. That's okay. they'll be like, look at all those people that were drawn to the Marvel universe. Apart from the ones that we absolutely hate. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple in here which I, I wouldn't say hate. It's a strong word. Anyway, so the first movie up, we decided to go with the release order. Anna, I know you had some debate. Mm, why, chronological. Why did you want to do chronological? Well, <clears throat> I think just because, uh, I mean, also I wanted to sort of rush myself to getting to Captain America. He's one of my faves. And I think there's definitely an argument to be made that that one should be seen first if you're going with a real kind of world-building type look. You've got Tony Stark's dad, you've got Howard Stark, you've got sort of that, this idea of already this world has been built long before you've seen Iron Man. And I like that. However, in having watched Iron Man again, I think we've made the right choice about doing release order because there's so much that Iron Man sets up, not just, like, story-wise, but it really, like, I feel, defined the visuals of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both with, like, the way the tech looks, the way, like, the lighting is done in some ways, even across, like, different directors, and, like, the sounds, too. So I think uh, I think we've made the right call with having Iron Man as our first one. And if this was chronological, so obviously you said the, the first Avenger, the Captain, mm. that would go first, but would the actual, would things change, like, substantially or is it would just would it just be like every now and again there'd be a film that wouldn't be in release order well i think i think marvel is releasing a list on like recommended viewing order which i haven't seen yet because i think hulk would fall a bit differently as well I, I can't quite remember now but there is sort of like a timeline structure which i can look up think, and inform us about in the next one if need be i think there's still i think part of the i don't know if they've released it yet because i remember the news was that and I think a lot of it centers around the Avengers Tower being mm. present in some movies and mm. not in other movies. Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, I don't even know if it's released yet. So something could dramatically change that moves a movie forward or backwards in the timeline. Mm. Yeah. But in general, I don't feel like it's going to matter. We all know yeah. roughly the sequence of events. Mm. Um, and they were given us to us in this order anyway. Yeah. So it's... It's kind of a contentious point, really. Is you know, if something does change massively because the towers in the background or not, I don't think many people, and certainly I'm not going to be bothered whether Spider-Man happened before or after. No, agreed. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if people want to watch along with us, can we put this somewhere? So we'll share this. Yeah. If we, uh, so. By trade, you're a social media man. <laughs> so I should probably have the strategy what, nailed. What's, 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 how should we share this on social media? I, Do we need a tweeter? Um, no, I think, I think your, your Instagram stories are pretty good. Okay. Uh, like, countdown. So Dan's famous for rating things on his Instagram stories. We've had mince pies, we've had beer. What else did we have? Is that it? That's it. Yeah, I'm so famous for two things. Two <laughs> two things. This is my first foray in uh, movies. So, so if you, we can follow along on Dan's Instagram stories. That we'll pin it. We'll pin it to the top of your Instagram stories. Okay. So you, we'll we'll do handles and stuff at the end as well. So you can Great. tell us how cool. stupid we are. <laughs> I'm in. I'm into that. So let's crack on with Iron Man then. Okay. And Anna, you are absolutely bursting. To tell us about your rewatch of the first <laughs> Iron Man movie, um, which came out in two thousand and eight. Yeah. So can we, can we all just say what we were doing in two thousand and eight? Like, where were oh. you life wise? I was graduating from university and just about to move 
to London. What do we remember? What month this came out? Uh, it came out on May the second. Okay, so that would have been my last year living in America full time, been English resident ever since. So yeah, that was my last, I think, big cinematic moment in America before wow. before I moved over here. Yeah. I was in my. I had just finished my second year of university, so going into, so into the summer, um, before my third year. Wow. And I, I was, yeah, I was just going to university after my gap year. So <laughs> I was moving to Manchester. I think, I'd, I, think I'd, I was in Manchester at this point. I'd been living there a few months. Um, and I don't remember seeing it in the cinema. I know I did, but I have no recollection of seeing any movie in the cinema before probably the first Avengers movie oh, wow. and I know I saw them all I definitely mm-hmm. saw them all because I have a friend who says I, we went to them all <laughs> I double checked um, but I remember seeing Thor in the cinema um, and the Avengers but I, I, anything anything up until the Avengers I didn't watch until after I watched the Avengers oh interesting I wasn't interested in the backstories of Iron Man or Captain America until I saw the Avengers, and I had the least interest possible in Captain America, which conversely is weird because now he's my favourite Avenger, <laughs> which I, find, I think was interesting. <laughs> so the movie starts off with Tony Stark in Afghanistan, I believe. I think they say Afghanistan in the in the film. I'm pretty sure, but I can't, I can't quite remember. And he, the first part of the movie is the true origin story of not just how he becomes Iron Man, but why he becomes Iron Man. So, Anna, kick us off with your thoughts. <laughs> well, I've got to say, rewatching this film, the first, like, 15 minutes of this movie, I think, are so awesome. Like, just really, really incredible, the way they sort of build this character, all the action that happens in it, the sort of, you know... It, it, I, I wish I could, like, regress all the way back to, like, not knowing anything about where he goes from here, um, where Tony Stark goes from here. But, um, yeah, just, like, the real feelings of, like, jeopardy, of, like, not knowing what's going on here. And, like, the torture scenes, like, they are not fluffy. Like, it was it was one of those things that really struck me. Because, like, Disney hadn't... but Like, Disney wasn't at all involved in, in um, MCU or any of the movies yet. And I really felt that, like, kind of watching watching that first bit and I am such a sucker for montages I love <laughs> montages I mean, that's good because this a, movie is a, a whole, whole montage it, mon- it is whole pretty much a montage, a montage. Um, and I think some of these are some of the best montages in actually any of the uh, MCU movies absolutely love them that, those first, first 15 minutes just slay me really good I think, I think that sense of jeopardy is something that I want to pick up throughout the whole thing because I feel as we get further through the MCU I feel it hard I get I find it harder and harder to believe that mm. anyone's in danger yeah. like a, a, as we go into infinity war it feels like they're invincible yeah and yeah when, and we'll, 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 we'll come, come on to it in many many podcast time but in Thor Ragnarok I feel n- n- Kate Blanchett as as Hela does does I have no I don't care about the ending because <laughs> I know that Thor's going to succeed. Yeah. Whereas in Iron Man in in that first 15 minutes I'm like wow this is something bad's going to happen. But also what I really love about the start of the film the very the very first bit 
is um, is that rock track on the CD player in the Jeep. Yeah, that's cool. And I was really... Rock track. I can't, yeah. I, I can't remember. It's ACDC. It's back sorry. in black. It's <laughs> back in black. But I, that really shocked me is the first thing you see about Marvel because that's the tone of Marvel throughout everything. It's a mm. bit knowing. It's a bit of a wink and a nudge. And if you look at the, the other big... Um, film that was out that year was um the dark knight that was, was the, that was the big film of that year oh, man. and if you contrast what dc was doing at the time with that really dark you know there's no laughs in those in those three mm. films it's it's dark it's serious compared to marvel just coming in to to this world with like with acdc on driving around a choke with tony stark who's a bit of an Probably. asshole yeah. like i just i just the contrast just really stuck it struck me and and i liked how that set the tone throughout the whole mcu yeah i mean tony's i mean the, the whole part of the movie is that tony stark is not just a bit of an asshole but he's, <laughs> he's the the biggest asshole on the planet essentially mm. and it's really interesting because the tone of this movie and i i'd completely forgotten i didn't know i don't know if you know which point disney kind of came in and took over but one thing that really got me one thing that I was really interested about this is that sort of the villain of this movie and the is is other humans it's other mm -hmm. humans doing mm -hmm. bad things mm -hmm. where Marvel very quickly strayed away from it being like finger pointing at other areas of humanity that are the villains and it's just like oh, other other superheroes and things from outer space and it, the tone shift actually mm. I found made this it didn't necessarily feel as much like a Marvel Cinematic Universe mm. movie than I thought it would have in retrospect. And there's there's other bits throughout the movie which it feels like they were still quite reserved in in fully referencing comic books and fully mm. referencing um like self-referencing the cinematic universe really. Stuff like, you know, now we see uh, things like the Daily Bugle referred to in the movies um, but in this the news report she's from Vanity Fair yeah. and it's very much they've tried to root it in the real world but as soon as they were given some sort of license to be even more creative with it they've just applied themselves completely to the, the already established Marvel Universe really so it's it's actually for me one of the movies out of this list that is most rooted in the real world and it's it's something that you can completely believe and see would happen in yeah. the real world. And I quite liked watching this again because the sort of, especially that starting bit, like Tony's actions in much later films, sometimes it's kind of hard to remember that this is where he started. Like mm. this was his first experience of like being a superhero mm. and like, I mean, to be honest, the very first element of him being a superhero was to save his own skin. Like mm. that was that was his first big powerful moment and then it's later that he comes into realizing the strength of what he can do for other people and then I think like it's a really important thing to remember when he starts acting a bit mental in later later films as well the the tone of the movie did for me already feel quite dated it feels more okay. feels more in line with like old action movies yeah. than it does with like the new Marvel Cinematic mm. Universe there's loads of like and I know it's part of the theme of Tony Stark, but there's lots of America selling yeah. weapons, yeah, yeah. big explosions, you know, in the desert. And there's one bit, and I know we're going to get onto Jeff Bridges in a little bit, <laughs> but there's, and, and honestly, I think it's one of my, I saw this and it never registered with me <clears> before <throat> now. 
but there's a bit where Jeff Bridges rocks up on a Segway smoking oh, yeah. a huge <laughs> cigar and he just gets off. Oh, it's so and he's, good. Like, he's like, where is he? And I'm like, this is so... Oh, the Segway is so good. It's so American. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But it's just... It's it's almost I don't think that sort of thing in this day and age would go down as well. Mm. But then it was like, look at Tony Stark and the world that he's in, yeah, in the world that he's come from. It it did so elements of it did yeah they, it it was dated, but also it it did feel like Marvel playing it a little bit safe. And and to be fair, if it meant playing it safe, allowed us to have all mm. these other great films, that's good. But some bits did feel a little bit paint by numbers in terms of. This is an action film that was made in, yeah, you know, two thousand and eight, yeah. and and the other thing that I think dates incredibly badly is the misogyny. In this. Oh I've, yeah, I've got some notes about that. Like, which, I mean, oh. and, uh, and 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 there is a certain level of it that 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 tells the story of Tony Stark, mm. but there was two that really stuck out to me was the the um, air hostesses and the, and. <laughs> And the pole the coming up pole. Oh, from 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 nowhere. Yeah. Could you even fit a retractable stripper pole on an airplane? I, I don't. Know. I don't know. And then the fact that <laughs> is the, that the bit that we're gonna find unbelievable out there? <laughs> there's there's flying collapsible stripper pole, flying suits and like uh, military tech, but it's the collapsible, it's the collapsible stripper pole. Or, or the fact that a Vanity Fair journalist would just sleep with Tony Stark uh, because he did a witty one-liner. I mean, yeah. I just, for me, and this is, this is a, this, um, unfortunately, this is a point that I'm going to come back to throughout this sure. whole podcast because I think the Marvel Universe's treatment of uh, women and um, people of colour um, and, and just diversity in general throughout mm -hmm. the MCU is a really big sticking point I have with it. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed really, really yeah. unnecessary, some of it. I mean, I think I think probably the later Iron Man movies are maybe a better place to talk about Pepper Potts, because mm. this was, I mean, she was almost, it was almost a sort of lip service in that we need Pepper Potts in there. And even though they did sort of touch on their kind of romantic underpinnings, I was, I was glad they didn't force a love story mm. immediately in this, in this first movie. I mean, I completely agree. For so long, the MCU's treatment of like women as characters is dreadful. I mean, it was so funny to watch this movie. I can't remember the last time I saw one that so poorly failed the the Bechdel test, where it's two female characters, preferably named, who um, talk to each other and they talk about something other than a man. And oh man, this movie just didn't even come the, close. The, the line where Pepper Potts says to the Vanity Fair journalist, who I can't remember the name of, is. Um, she, she said something like, oh, I do lots of jobs for Tony, including taking out the trash. Yeah, it's so and I'm like, uh, and, and you can advise on this well, because you are, the, you are the woman in the room, yeah. but I can never imagine a, a female writer writing that line uh, for a woman yeah. in a circumstance like that. Like two women who've never met each other. And maybe there's some jealousy there with Pepper, <coughs> but I don't feel like we... we we explored that enough in the film to, to really get mm. Pepper being a, a jealous type. She seems quite intelligent, she seems yeah. quite level-headed. And for her to kind of throw that line at, at yeah. a woman and, and kind of slut-shame her just felt, yeah. just felt really, really yeah. off for me. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some definitely dated elements just sort of on the other side. Like, how cute is the mobile phone technology? Yeah. <laughs> it's so dated. Sorry, not to immediately segue from a very important topic, but... Um, but sort of just touching a bit on sort of minority representation, then what what do we think of Rhodey like as a as a character and as his presence in in Iron Man? You know, I I really like I really like Rhodey, but not in this movie. 
Yeah. Like, just, I, I don't know which one wrote it. <laughs> so, Terence Howard, the... Um, military. The military oh, man, yeah, yeah, his okay. like best yeah. mate. What is his job? I don't quite understand. He just comes out of nowhere he's, all the time and he just like, has like unlimited power. His like, thing is that he's the um, go-between between Tony Stark and Stark Industries and selling stuff to the military. Oh, so, so he's like the liaison? Yeah, he's okay. sort of a representative. But, still, but, but he's, he's been friends with Tony for ages, yeah. Yeah, so they graduated yes. um, MIT together. You can see they wear the same ring at oh. one point in the movie, and cool. they're on when it's going through Tony Stark's history at the beginning, and it's like here's his accomplishments. They're on uh, their graduation pictures together, mm. I believe. He just was quite cold. There was something not sort of appealing about him. I I found I don't know. It feels like he didn't. <laughs> it feels like he didn't want to be there throughout yeah. the movie, and. He, you know, he was replaced by Iron Man Two, I think. Yeah. So, it, I really, really like Don Cheadle. Do you? And I, you know, I really like him as Rhodey. Um, but it's just, it's strange how the, there was there was no forward planning with Iron Man. Mm -hmm. It was very the only forward planning is like the post credit sequence. Yeah. And it's really weird how two or three actors from this movie change. Or develop into something different going forwards, and that's not really something you see in any other Marvel movies. There's lots of long contracts yeah. for actors where this. Well, that's, but I, I kind of wonder if that's sort of given this movie a bit of an extra spark that I think some of the later ones don't have because you've become a piece of a puzzle. Where this one was a bit of a gamble. I think they, you know, obviously they hoped it could it was going to be franchise, but I mean, I'm just, <clears throat> and that is really driven to me driven home to me in that like I think so many of the scenes were improvised like Robert Downey Jr. was just allowed to give things multiple takes and like that's where so much of the humor comes from but you're right it does make for some inconsistencies kind of later later in the I mean, film but less of an in, the series on the positive side I mean less of an inconsistency though is um Jarvis in this movie yeah which really Paul Bettany really Amazing. early on as Jarvis and actually, throughout the whole of this franchise, up until Avengers: Age of Ultron, becomes one of the key, mm. um, one of the key characters in the whole universe. Yeah. I was actually reading uh, on the trivia section of IMDb before this that apparently he he only did two hours work for this movie. Oh yeah. He never watched it, and it was very sort of I just recorded these voice lines and then went away. And I think for him to become such a massive character in the universe. And quite an adored character even before he became Vision yeah. is a a testament to how great Paul Bettany so is, great. but also to how they've threaded little little things throughout the whole Marvel mm. universe that, that did start with this movie. Well, in, they, sorry, in in the comics, does does Jarvis become Vision? Is that the same sort of storyline? Could no. you have predicted this if you were a comic fan? I don't think I. I you know I meant to look this up and I completely forgot to. I I don't think Vision did come from Jarvis. Like, he is created out of the Infinity Stone, but I don't remember what the trigger is for that. I don't profess to know every small detail, mm. but as far as I'm aware, Jarvis was a human character in the comic books. Oh, yes, Edwin Jarvis. Butler. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. And Vision is completely separate. Yeah. Uh, and he's created by Hank Pym, who we see in the Ant-Man movies. Yes. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right, because 
like the the original Iron Man take place. I think was it the Vietnam War that he yeah, became, yeah, and then yeah. it became the Gulf War, and then they've sort of moved it to Afghanistan. You're, so you're absolutely right. He was a a real live you, butler person. Yeah, you, you're right. It's made by Ultron um, for use against Ultron's own creator, Doctor Hank Pym. Okay. Cool. Um, and I think it's it's really interesting how. Marvel have retooled the cinematic universe to be slightly different to the comic books, but in a way that makes it more accessible and, and more understandable for kind of the cinematic audience who's coming into this really fresh. Because mm. there's lots of complications with these characters mm. throughout comic book history, but they've done a great job of just pointing fingers and going, oh yeah, I have manded that, not this other obscure character mm. or this convoluted thing. Mm. They've gone, yeah, it was just Iron Man. And they've actually pinned a lot of stuff yeah. throughout this Marvel Universe. Just, oh, yeah, it was Iron Man. It's Tony Stark. He's got technology. That yeah. was yeah. him. Um, and it's really interesting to see that. And I think it's I think it's really cool how they've made Tony Stark sort of the centre of everything yeah. going forward. I, I completely agree. I really like that he's sort of like the grounding point. And also, I mean, you see Coulson. I completely forgot that Coulson was in mm. this movie as well. Although, dude... Get a better suit. Why doesn't his suit fit him? It's such a big suit. I don't know why, but can you can you get the acronym right? Oh, I don't think no. I can. Strategic Homeland, homeland. Intelligence. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, no. St- strategic Homeland Intervention, Intervention and Enforcement Logistics Division. Oh. But once again, that's different from the comics. Yeah. But it's just way more easier to say out loud. Mm. Is it the, the, the comic <laughs> version? The, the comic book version is like strategic homeland, um, esp- intervention, espionage, okay. slash. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> like it's not. It's very very hard to say in the comic books. But interestingly enough, then going going to the, towards the end of the movie, we get another seed zone in the post credits. Mm with um, Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and that's a complete change from the comic books and is something that's then backwards has influenced the comic books yeah. as well uh, because they, they've kind of shoehorned um, Nick Fury Jr., who looks like Samuel L. Jackson, into the Marvel Universe to replace the old mm-hmm. white guy, Nick Fury, who they've sort of retired and yeah. sent off out into space. So it's it's really interesting how these movies have then clearly they've had a massive effect on the comic book world, um, mm. and a lot of the comic books have sort of been retooled to match the the movies now, yeah. uh, which has had some criticism as well, and it's not been successful in some areas, but in others it's you know I think it's a great way of getting more people to read comic books mm. and get involved with the Marvel universe. I think so too. Let's um. Can we talk a little bit about the end of the movie, actually? So the, I've yeah. got so much still to talk about at the start oh, of the movie. Okay. <laughs> I know, there is just so much to talk about. Sorry, then you go ahead and tell. The only thing I wanted to talk about at the very start of the film is I'd forgotten how quick it took Tony Stark to make the Iron Man suit. Oh, yeah. And he's just... And, and these, these terrorists are in this cave yep. surveying them 24-7 oh, yeah. and they have no idea... <laughs> For that three months. Yeah. <laughs> For they, three months. They have no idea. Like, he builds a giant iron mass. Yeah. Like, like but he's what's doing the, the le- giveaway yeah. But he's doing the leg thing. It's like, yeah. what part of a missile did they yeah, think this that... this is not a missile. Yeah. Like, the, guy looks the, missile. At the, the guy comes in and looks at the blueprints <laughs> yeah. and he's like, of a man. this checks out. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is legit. Just throws him to the side. But, but 
but I, I'd forgotten, and I think that's that's meant to be, you know, Tony Stark um, is an ultra genius, isn't yeah. it? Like, give him, give him, you know, the worst metal and the worst <laughs> materials, and he will still build a flame-throwing super iron giant thing <laughs> and, and escape uh, from terrorists. And I thought that, that was really interesting that that happened so quickly. But then I really enjoyed how long it took him to refine the suit as totally. well. Totally. I, I think I think agree. in the more more recent MCU films, things just happen and things people can just do stuff and you don't need a lot of montages. Mm-hmm. You know, Thor's super strong tick. Um, you know, you don't really get that level of time dedicated to someone refining their abilities anymore. And I really enjoyed that. It did feel a bit like Oh, he's fallen out of his suit again. Oh, he's trashed one of his cars again. But I enjoyed going on that journey with him, and it's a shame we didn't see more of that yeah. with the with the newer Other films. Ones. I completely agree. Like I said, montage sucker. But because like in the later films, the suit is so taken for granted, it mm. just does everything. It was it was really cool to be reminded about how much effort he put into mm. it. And I like the bits, you know, where even when he then goes out into the field as it were he's still learning how this mm. stuff works and he messes up a bit mm. um i love this scene when he is flying back from having taken out the it's the ten rings or something isn't it the group that's messing up the villages and he's flying back and he's like trying to out maneuver his you know his country's own fighter jets mm. and then he's on the phone with road and he's like it's me it's me i'm the one and you know you get that kind of panic voice of yeah. tony stark that you don't ever get again he's mm. he's the iron man he's in control but this is before any of that that mm. happened, and you know I like that in the the final action sequences as well. He's, you know, oh God, let's try flares. Oh, the hydraulics will lift this car up, but I've got to lift it up more, and yeah. Mm. So there's I and, love that. And it felt like it was more him figuring out figuring out the suit, whereas in more recent films he literally just goes Jarvis fix this problem. Yeah, yeah. And because Jarvis has evolved so much as well, mm-hmm. it's kind of like he doesn't actually have to think about it. This yeah. is more kind of problem solving and you see a bit more of his intelligence, which yeah. I enjoy. I think also this is the only movie that he, that at any point Robert Downing Jr. was in some semblance of the suit. I think everything afterwards is always CGI, like kind of with green, mm. the green bits on him and they just CGI on it. But I think this is the only one where he actually had stuff on his body that and was... And I think you can tell. Yeah. I think he does act a bit different yeah. when he's physically in it, which I like. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I can forgive the full CGI later because it, it would become just a part of him. He gets so used to it. Mm. You can have a streamlined movement, but you kind of felt the weight of this yeah. and the yeah. figuring it out and everything. Um, I've, I just sort of in relation to that, though, I figured out the one note I wrote down, which was a hand, 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 hand. In the final scene where he loses his glove, he gets so like squicked out with any sort of like hand-related injuries. So the second his hand was like unprotected, <laughs> I was like, "Oh man!" Like he would lose that hand like that in a real life situation. <laughs> but I like that too, where he had to improvise, miss it like with a bit of his suit not missing, a bit of it not working. I mean, obviously that comes again in the later films, but yeah, this this first time where he wasn't so reliant on it, he got around it quite quickly actually. Mm. So, yeah, should we talk a little bit about Obi? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let me just say before though, the the Mark II suit, the yeah. all the all, all silver yeah, suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. The first moment where the head of that comes down and you get the full, you know, from the poster, it's Iron Man. That is my one like mark out moment in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Where I'm like, <laughs> shit, because it because it kind of teases up with like other variants of <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't yeah. it? And like when he comes out. 
um, as the Iron Giant, which mm-hmm. is the other thing when it comes out of the cave, it's a bit like, what, what is this horrible thing that you've made? Yeah. But actually, with that, that Silver Surfer, uh. that reminded me of the Silver mm. Surfer, yeah, that moment definitely. is just... And I think as well, like, you, it really, for me, I was like, it really shows off that he's not just someone who can make weapons, but it's still related to this whole, like, sort of playboy aspect of him where he's like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it with style. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it was it was like an evolution of um, his style. Obviously, it's not purely about weapons anymore. Mm. And I really like to see, and I really hope that throughout the whole arc of the Marvel Universe that Tony's story ends in him kind of coming away from all of it altogether. Because mm. in this, he started up very much like war and weapons, and then he moved to like, I'm not going to sell weapons to people anymore. And he's like, this isn't a weapon. But the first thing he does with it is go use it as a weapon um, <laughs> to just to fight for his cause, mm. though. Yeah. And I think I, I, he's started to do that less and less, and certainly in the later Iron Man movies, that's something that he moves completely away from but I'd really like and I think it'd really do a service to Tony Stark and his storyline if by the end of all this his big thing is that he's removed completely from you know weapons and war and everything and he's purely doing things to advance the Mm. human race yeah Um, very in sort of a an Elon Musk sort of (laughs) style do you know what I mean can I just add a quick point onto your hands oh yeah hands thing the moment where Pepper has to reach in to pull out the wire <laughs> from his chest, I, I was cringing, and it still made me. Cr- I've seen Iron Man so many yeah. times, but that, that, like, don't you know the Operation yeah, Game yeah. analogy? Oh. I was just like, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> There's two moments where Tony Stark has long, uh, puss-covered wires pulled oh. out of him. There's the one from the heart, but when he's in the cave as well, he oh, pulls the that one. Out of his nose, oh and I'm like, God. "Where is that wire coming from?" <laughs> but those those kind of gritty, gritty yeah. kind of moments, I think we oh. might we might lose in the in the glossiness as mm. we're moving forward. But yeah. they're just uh, uh, just, just oh, imagine having so right. someone else's hand pulling a wire yeah, out of your chest, and it's deep in there yeah, as well. So it deep. is deep. Like when she talks about like the smell and the oh. But some some great kind of green screen CGI. It's not. It's um. It's a fake chest. Really? Yeah, so what they did was they built like this this kind of fake looking chest over it and then his neck is in it. So but he's, he's kind of like leaning in. So he's it. yeah, so he's actually I think it's like he's sort of sat behind it and then and then so it's just a chest that she actually could interact with and reach into. Wow. So I thought yeah. it just it just it was so seamless. Yeah, it, it looked really, great. It was fair, but so gross. It was horrible. It was gross. <laughs> That's interesting about those the sort of darker beats that well not they're not darker because like that one was played to comedic effect, but things that are a bit more like, ooh, the, um, that weapon that uh, Obadiah uses to paralyze him, mm. like the way his face changes, the mm. obvious pain, mm. like those sort of quieter, violent moments, mm. I think they do, you do lose those sort of as, as the films the films progress. And that, that, that blue kind of electricity mm. stuff it reminded me of Black Widow's weapons. You know, oh, yeah. she's got this kind of blue, she's got the blue sticks, and yeah. then in one film she's got a suit that's kind of got that blue yeah. vein through it. I kind of, I thought that was interesting that that could be the same technology that she's in the future. Yeah, well again, sort of like going back to that, the sort of, how it defined a lot of the visual style, like I bet there was a lot of discussion about, or maybe there wasn't considering it was the first one, but like the tone of blue that was used mm. to sort of signify this, this energy, the, the, mm. the heads up display. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. That sort of gets carried through sort of the other, other... And I guess it makes sense since, like, 
Dan said, a lot of it would be coming from Tony. Like he's yeah. the he's the inventor. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's whenever I, you know you find these plot holes or little things that you're like, oh, I wonder where that came from mm-hmm. in the movie. Anyone online is just like, oh yeah, Tony's Tony. Tony's, <laughs> Tony's yeah, Tony's Tony took really, care of it. It's really <laughs> easy. Um, so yeah, I um, I'm a big fan of this movie. Mm. I think it's solid entry to the Marvel Universe. I think you can completely see how they've changed from this style to what I would call like the Marvel formula for movies now. Um, but it, it set the seeds for a lot of things. And I think I'm a really big fan of it retrospectively, but I wouldn't necessarily go back and watch it loads. I'd maybe mm. watch the montage bits yeah. and then stop watching it by the final bit of the movie where you've got yeah, Obadiah Stane making his own Iron Man it's just all very do we do we want to talk about that that kind of crescendo of um, the film I mean I don't know if we have anything to say that probably most people don't or I mean I had totally forgotten that was Jeff Bridges when before I saw the movie again his character is so st- I mean I've got so many villain rants prepared that I can do later and this is this is the thing like what I like about this movie up until the the final act is this idea that like Marvel is at its best when it's focusing on its characters. There's no MacGuffin, there's no like villain's cockamamie plan like driving the plot forward. It's like character is plot, like mm. plot characters drive the plot forward. And I feel up until the final act, they did that. And it's not like, let's go get the thing. It's, oh, how would this person react to it? And even Obadiah, up until a certain point, like, oh my God, the part where he's fighting Tony in the street and he's talking about like how he's going to run the company. It's like, mate, like it's, <laughs> it's over. Like you blew it. Like everyone, know, and God, his, I would love to know how Jeff Bridges kind of came up with that, that voice. Tony! <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. But but look, despite the flaws in 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 the villain, mm. I I my, and and we'll talk we'll probably talk about villains mm. loads in this. But I I prefer villains that are grounded in reality. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I I think I I like I like when it feels like um, it it could happen. Yeah. Uh, that sounds really <laughs> stupid, but when. How, I, how can I explain this? I don't necessarily like a big orb in the sky that is sure. destroying a major American city, <laughs> or or a Russian city, or, or or whatever. You know, a lot, a lot of a lot of superheroes films for me turn me off when it, when something big in the sky is is either pulling things up into it or things are falling out of it. I prefer villains where it's like a hand on hand, mm. me and you combat mm. I think and I, that's why I liked mm. this bit in Iron Man yeah. the, the only thing that I took away from the end of the movie is that there's one of the and, and I actually with Pepper Potts with Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie I actually wrestle with her throughout the whole series because on some areas I'm like you're really cool you fit the character really well mm. on other bits I'm like I just her, her acting actually falls really short for me and there's just one bit in this movie where every time I see it I'm like you you didn't know what's going on there and it's at the end with the section 16 door mm. and she's leading the shield agents and it's like you know Obadiah Stane's got this big thing they don't know about it yet but they know something's gonna happen and they're like going to arrest him and they all walk in there really seriously and she just goes up to the door and she's like boop <laughs> and then she pauses 
boop. But then she pauses again and just goes, it's not working. I'm like, you wouldn't do that. You'd be like frantically like pressing it or, you know, you wouldn't do this really defined motion. And for me, it was just like, that felt, it's one of those moments, it's probably not bad acting, it's probably just dating of technology that now if you've got like a pass or something yeah. that you just kind of roughly hold it up against and like this way, this way everyone. But instead she's very like precise with the movement and I just can't see it without going. And and it did when when she was just in in, in amongst all the firefight, it, it did remind me of that bit in um Jurassic World where um the female protagonist is running away from the T Rex, but oh, she's yeah. still she's still Got doing it in heels. Yeah. Like it just, it just it's like what it's, there's so much grounding in reality in this yeah. island film, but then Pepper Potts is in this major fight with yeah. like giant advanced machinery and just doesn't yeah it, it doesn't get at the end. Like Tony's like do this to the arc reactor, and she's like <laughs> twisting the knobs, and suddenly she's like I'm in charge yeah. of this whole dashboard like, of things. Yeah, I do I do appreciate that he couldn't have defeated. Obadiah without her like he simply couldn't have done it on his own yeah I, I get that she's a very she's very very capable and yeah. very intelligent but I don't think her character was developed <laughs> as much mm. to make those scenes believable like, like you said it. that she got up in a door I think you go one way or the other you support it and be like she's really smart really true and it'd been great to see that and you do see that more in later movies with her but it'd be great from the off to see that actually she plays a role similar to how she's portrayed in some comic books where it's like she's kind of the brains yeah tony's just the science guy but she's the one controlling his life and not controlling you know organizing arranging his life Mm. and actually we do see in this movie that he would be completely helpless without her yeah but i think it could have been taken to the next level Mm. really um and I, i think we do start to get there with iron man 3 especially yeah but It'd have just been great to see it from the off without those weird inconsistencies about how she can't use a key card. Totally. You know I mean? <laughs> totally. Although I've got to say, I can, the third act really falls down for me, but I can forgive a lot for the very final line where he says, I am Iron Man. That is mm. awesome. Yeah. And it definitely touches on something that I love about the, the Marvel Universe, at least like this iteration of it, is that there aren't any secret identities. You can do something, be someone... I mean... Apart from perhaps Black Widow and Hawkeye, yes, who, that's who true. struggle with that that's true. later on. Would anyone be interested in Hawkeye's real identity? Sorry, I know we'll talk about Hawkeye later. Until my Paul Clint. <laughs> I, I feel I know, like I'm going to have to cheerlead I know, I know. For, for Hawkeye. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun ribbing you about Hawkeye throughout this. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's great. I think he's great. Purple I, is I have... poor choice. Does he wear does he wear purple? It's, like, it's not like a dark mauve. Yeah, it? it's more of a mauve. And... He's bright purple in comic books, <laughs> so I always feel that if he wasn't purple, he'd get a lot more credibility. Mm. Yeah, it's just an odd color choice. So, knowing the secret identities, would you send Iron Man a piece of fan mail in the real world? Oh yeah. If he did that interview and got up, would you be like Tony Stark? You're great. Thank you for being Iron Man. Do you think that he served? the world in any sort of way in this movie no 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 no, no. no. i'd be like here here is the amount of money that you need to pay me because you lifted up my car <laughs> <laughs> or you you damaged my my village apparently so the audi r8 features quite prominently in this movie apparently he was meant to 
throw it at Obadiah Stane or something in the final bit or drive it into him and knock him over Mm. um, and then like punch through the roof of the car and like rip it apart (laughs) and appear out of it and be like you're screwed Obadiah Um, but they couldn't get the car to do it right so they couldn't get the car to flip Mm. Um, but I thought it's you know it's really interesting the amount of public damage i mean this mm. isn't but the, uh, that's going to come up a lot uh, yeah it's not exclusive to this movie yeah. but i'd love to know the total cost of all the public so, damage. Some, I, someone I think there's somewhere done, that's someone calculated done, it. Yeah. Done that. we should definitely find it, out it's an insane amount and i think it's trivialized a little bit in this mm. movie yeah. and i think it's trivialized a little bit in all oh, superhero yeah. movies um <laughs> and, and also i would never invite invite Tony Stark to an event because one of two things are going to happen. Yeah. He's going to have a major showdown with with a, a a villain or an enemy or he's just not going to show up. Yeah. I just like how like you just like you've got an assistant who can decline invitations for you if you don't mm. want to go just use well, it. Well, did he not show up to did he not show up? To the he's, very he's, beginning of his award. He's, they're having a whole event oh, to, to yeah. mark him at this great To be fair, I think he was there because he was gambling wasn't he and he just didn't go to the podium yes, or something yes. something like that, that Rody brings him his award yeah. doesn't he it's like you just, like, just poor Rody. isn't yeah there's no there's no excuse for not being polite great so yeah. we're not going to do a rating no we're going to do a kind of wrap up at the end of each phase yeah but Iron Man does it stay or does it go stays 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 100% it stays if I can take out the pole dancing <laughs> flight attendants just the pole dancing <laughs> That yeah, if, I, and yeah, just that. Do you think that if do you think if that was gone, that'd make up for a lot of the other shit in the movie? No, but that's 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 that's, <laughs> that, that's the bit of my I I like the least. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh man, I'd really forgotten about that. That is so bad. I think if they remade it now, they'd find a way to make him a scumbag in a yeah. different way. Yeah. yeah. I think there's other ways that you can show that he was a playboy. Or the gambling. They without... could amp up the gambling. Yeah. yeah, and there's other way that you can show that he's got that sort of lifestyle. Mm. I mean, having Stan Lee as Hugh Hefner was enough. We get it. <laughs> we get it. You know what I mean? You, you uh, have a playboy lifestyle, uh, Tony Stark. You yeah. don't need a stripper pole flight yeah. attendant party in the sky. Yeah, definitely. But for me... It stays because yeah. it's yeah. probably the cl- it's like the quintessential early Marvel movie. Agreed. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it it does better than the other ones around it. I think for me, in terms of sowing the seeds of the Marvel universe, and it just the montage moments. As much as they do feel tired throughout the film, and it feels like the film is one big montage, they're great. Yeah. Right? You know I mean, they're undisputed some of the best montages yeah. in film ever. So for me, it absolutely stays and I'll probably watch it again <laughs> over two nights because you fall asleep <laughs> yeah over two nights so, so yeah what's next so next up next week we will be discussing uh, the big green monster the In Incredible the Hulk uh, but the the Edward Norton yeah. Incredible Hulk which I've never seen I've never seen this film okay. have you never seen it at all no interesting absolutely never so this seen is, it this oh, is the babe. first time for you <laughs> <laughs> Are there any um, pole dancing flight attendants? Not that no. I remember. Okay. I just my tone of this that. movie is the majority of it is in darkness. Yeah, I remember having just a hard time watching it. Just, it just like genuinely, like what is happening? Like I physically. Yeah, physically. I'm gonna go into it with an open mind. Me too. I'm gonna completely imagine that it's the same actor playing the Hulk as in the other movies. Mm. Yeah. And that it's the same 
Hulk that I've grown to kind of I really loved him and then now I dislike him again um, but we'll get onto that in yeah. 17 I, movies I, I, time I can't wait to talk about Matt Ruffalo as well and how he is incredibly beautiful Awesome. Can't wait for that conversation too. So, Anna, where can people follow you on the internet? Uh, so, I am on Instagram at Anna2Ns Marvelous with two L's. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Martin Loves. And you can find me on Instagram or on Twitter at DVN Preston. I have one more important question. Should you guys not cut your beards till we see? In Infinity Wars. Can I trim the two sides? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I trim my beard twice a week, so that oh, is that is a big ask to make. I think it'd be amazing. Looking at the dates on this team, <laughs> I would be a very, very hairy man. And I, I cannot commit to that. As long as I can neaten up the sideburns, yeah. I'm happy. Because my plan was to grow this till May anyway. So. I'll stop trimming my beard when there's a female lead in a Marvel film you'll and stop no. trimming your beard so you're saying that when there's a female lead when Miss Marvel is, is, that's coming out isn't uh, it yeah Miss Marvel is 2019 I think I'm going to be very hairy in 2019 awesome great great well power thank you very much everyone for listening Bye. thank you we'll see you speak to you again next time on the Marvelous Lunch Break <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>